1: I'm John Dankowski. Here's a question. Is broadband internet a public utility like water or electricity? Well, the federal government says so. More and more lawmakers are making a push to increase the availability and lower the cost of this service, including a project here in Connecticut to develop ultra-high-speed gigabit internet networks. Opponents say there's already plenty of service out there provided by broadband companies, and the government should just stay the heck out of it. So that's our conversation today. Comment on our website wnpr.org/wherewe live. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at we live for an update on the Connecticut Gig Project. We welcome back to the show Kevin Lembo, who's the Comptroller of the State of Connecticut. Welcome back, sir. Good morning, John. And Ellen Katz is here, Connecticut's Consumer Council. Thank you so much for being here, Ellen. Thank you so much. So first of all, update us. I'll start with you, Ellen, on what is the Connecticut Gig Project?
0: The Connecticut Gig Project is an effort by multiple stakeholders, all the way from businesses and community leaders, all the way up to folks like Kevin Lembo and Senator Beth Bay and myself, to develop ultra-high-speed infrastructure in Connecticut to try to reach every single citizen in Connecticut with a level of broadband that is both affordable and at adequate speeds to meet their needs.
1: So that service is not out there now in your in your estimation?
0: Uh, What what um, availability there is for the ultra high speed um, is pretty limited and is extremely expensive, like thousands of dollars per month.
1: So Kevin Limbo, from where you sit as the controller of the state, why is this so
2: important to you? Yeah, I approach this, John, as a, an economic development issue. So, uh, you know, we talk a lot about what's happening to Connecticut's economy. Why are we losing the kinds of jobs that we know are really the drivers of things like the income tax? Um, and when you get right down to it, these data jobs that we have many, many of right now um, are really, I think, the, the secret sauce in getting us sort of out of where we are now. And if it's about growing the pie, Uh, Those young entrepreneurial folks with big tech ideas um, may want to stay close to their families if we give them the
1: infrastructure to do that. So, so let's pull these a couple things apart because I think we're talking about business competitiveness. We're talking about the possibility of getting very high-speed service to people who may be entrepreneurs. But we're also trying to get more service to people who maybe don't have any service right now. Let's talk about that part of it first, Kevin Limbo. What is the, uh, the compelling reason for the state to invest in this when it just comes to making sure that more people are connected to the Internet in any way? So the business model right now, um, I
2: I really draw parallels between uh, the the evolution of the highway system, right? So someone was walking across somebody else's field with their cart to get down to the waterfront to ship their stuff wherever it was going or to sell it at market. And over time, government realized, okay, that pathway um, actually is a common good. It's a public good. And we need to do something about that beyond letting land barons toll you all the way uh, to the market. Uh, so now when you flip to sort of the, the internet and broadband as that same kind of thing, um, the government really has a different responsibility in this than private industry. Private industry has built this out to their credit. They've built out significant portions of this around the state. But when you look at where the fiber is, for example, it's not in places where the return on investment for a private entity um, would justify the build. So as that's fine for a private enterprise to make that decision that we're not going to go there. But as a government, we have a more global responsibility to make sure it's available to, you know, not just folks in downtown Hartford, New Haven, or Stamford, but in Dixwell uh, Avenue in New Haven and uh, in the north end of Hartford as well. So taking a more global look at this is really part of government's responsibility. And, you know, look, there's var- we have difference of opinion sometimes about how to get there, and it will likely end up being a regionally driven uh, uh fix in all of it. Um, But we need to go and we need to do this together uh, because it is really the the path forward for our
0: economy. So I wanted to, there's sort of three legs to this stool in my mind. There's the economic development needs of our businesses. And it's pretty clear from all the high tech businesses in particular we're hearing from that uh, a lot of businesses aren't getting the speeds they need. And if they can get it, a lot of times it's at a very exorbitant cost. There's also a surprising number of people in Connecticut, thousands, who have access only to uh, dial-up speeds or sometimes even dial-up when you talk about the northwest corners. And then the third leg of the stool is the digital equity stools, you know, when the digital equity issues. When we look at, um, say, the students at Bridgeport High, I was out there for an event with Senator Murphy. He said, how many people have Internet access at home? And only two-thirds of the class raised their hand. And the other third said, listen, we know it's important, but there's just sometimes we don't have the extra 20 bucks a month. And it's not like you can go buy a little bit of broadband if this month you have $20. So I think we need to make sure that we are um, reaching the businesses, reaching every resident, and making it affordable. So affordable access for all is sort of the platform, the public interest goal that I keep going to. And how do we achieve that?
1: So you talked about the cost earlier that you say for very high-speed internet can run into the thousands. We're going to have some folks uh, from this industry on in just a little bit, but maybe you can talk about some of the, the cost barriers and just just what we mean. When we say a gig, that could be a lot or that could be a little. I mean, I don't know how much it is. Explain what the Connecticut Gig Project and getting this this amount of broadband access to people, how that would be different from what you get from, I don't know, Comcast right now in downtown
0: Hartford. Okay, sure. So your average home speed is probably around 9 to 10 megabits. A gig is a 1,000 megabits. So you're talking an increase of almost 100. Um, and so, no, not everyone has a need for a gig in their home today. But if we're going to invest in infrastructure, let's invest in the best infrastructure that there is, the the world-class, what they call future-proof infrastructure, um, and let's concentrate on – at it's, it's an incremental approach, so let's start with the businesses, but let's also make sure we're finding solutions that reach the people who have nothing. And also, we've got to keep looking at affordability because, yes, we are one of the most connected states in the country. There's no doubt about that. But if we said, well, listen, we're doing better than everybody else because 85% of our citizens have electricity, isn't that great? We wouldn't stop the conversation there. We'd say, all right, how do we reach the rest of them, and how do we make sure it's affordable? So that's the conversation that I've been focusing on.
1: Do you want to jump
2: in? Yeah, uh, and but then the speed issue is a real issue. So um, you know, Connecticut, you, we'll often hear, well, Connecticut's got great connectivity, and we do uh, as a general matter. But speeds at nine, or even let's give folks the benefit of the doubt. You know, the Akamai State of the Internet Service said we're at like sixteen. Um, okay, fine, uh, but that still puts us behind all of our major regional competitors in Massachusetts, and New York, and New Jersey, and Rhode Island. So even the folks
1: right around us have better speeds than we do. And, and do they have a program like the one that you're, you're envisioning? or are, are their speeds all driven by, you know, the, the market, all by, you know, companies that are running them? It?
2: It's a combination of things. Yeah. You know, the private market stepped up and others sort of uh, incentivized and pushed them to do that. But the question isn't really necessarily only a comparison with us within our nation. So don't compare us to Mississippi and Alabama. We want to compete with South Korea and Japan. So the United States overall is about 24th in all of this. We're behind Latvia. So, okay, we need to figure that piece out. And then South Korea, in comparison to the 16, South Korea is at 83, Japan's at 75, and Singapore's at 108.
1: Where's Norway? We always talk about Norway and Sweden. Don't have the Norway numbers in front of me right now. (laughs) If this was a presidential debate, we'd be talking about Sweden for some reason. Yeah, Yeah,
0: but I can tell you about Sweden, my background's in Sweden, Um, is that they have one of the most robust fiber networks in the world, and so they're attracting all kinds of interesting business and tech and innovation because of that. Because everyone knows if you go in, you're going to get access to these high speeds and it's going to be at these lower prices. You know, and I I just want to make the point, the fact that we're having this conversation and talking about the challenges in Connecticut is not a bad news story. In fact, it's quite the opposite. The whole country literally is watching what Connecticut is doing because we've energized from the ground roots up all these communities, all these mayors and first selectmen and businesses saying we need to change what's available, we need to bring down the prices, and how are we going to do that? Let's work together. And that is really a dynamic, interesting conversation that the whole industry is watching. My office, uh, Office of Consumer Council, and the Office of State Broadband, we are approached constantly by folks saying, how did you do that? And how do we do that in my state? And how can we work with you? So this is a really great time to be in Connecticut looking at broadband.
1: We're talking with Ellen Katz, who's Connecticut Consumer Council, and also Kevin Lembo, the controller of the state, and we're talking about the Connecticut Gig Project in an attempt to bring very high-speed internet to more people in the state. How would very high-speed internet change your life? Are you willing to maybe pay more in taxes to get better internet service? And that's what I want to talk to you next about, Kevin Lembo. A big part of your job is taking a look at how much money's coming in, how much money's going out. We always see these charming little reports from you that were, you know, $50 million <laughs> uh, in, in the red once again, or 75 5 million, whatever it is, I think you're understating it. I, I'm understating. <laughs> well, well, look, we seem to be. I think it's fair to say, in a bit of a fiscal bind, indeed. To, to put it mildly how the hell do we pay for this? This is all a great idea, but how do we pay for this when we seemingly we're cutting almost every other part of state government right now? I, I think the assumption that state government's going to pay for this is false. Uh, I, I
2: see very limited uh, role for state government and mostly in backing up the existing providers to build out in places where the return on investment may not be there. Beyond that, I feel like this is a disruptive sort of conversation. Government's role, I think primary at this point, is to really be a sharp stick in the marketplace and say, we need to get uh, moving. We need to have more open access on fiber when fiber is built. We need to take those free market principles that everyone seems to be so uh, happy and supportive of um, and actually introduce those into this market. I don't know about you, but where I live, I have no real choice. You know, I've got a cable choice, I've got a DSL choice, and I can put a dish on the house if I want to. That's it. So I I don't think anyone is suggesting that state government's going to plop down a big pile of money and we're just going to build it out because the regional differences are So different that it doesn't even make sense More providers in the space Incentives where we need to build Where the return on investment isn't there Some sort of revolving loan fund As has already been proposed uh, by Ellen And others at the Capitol All of that together gets you to the build that you need Not sort of like let's overbuild And rebuild an entire network
1: But what about that connectivity? I mean, When we're talking about wiring up the state When we talk about broadband access Fiber uh, cables being laid in the ground I mean that I assume Ellen means Towns and municipalities working together in a way that maybe they're not working right now—is that part of it?
0: Oh, absolutely. And they're they are having these conversations, and they are. But now they're saying, "We want to do this now. How do we do that?" And that's part of what we're doing is trying to create frameworks whereby they can work together and essentially create coalitions. And you mentioned this idea of um, you know additional taxes or what's it going to cost, and that's absolutely an essential part of the conversation, as Kevin says. Um, he he, unfortunately, has to be the messenger of bad news uh, with at the state level Brewer a lot of the time. Yes, yes. Does it so cheerily? But anyway. But but what I hear from consumers all the time is you ca- is they complain about their cable bills. They're paying hundreds of dollars a month, or they're getting slow speeds for hundreds of dollars a month. And if I say to them, "Well, listen." If we can find a way to bring those bills down to, instead of from $200 a month or from a business perspective, if they need a gig, $3,000 a month, bring it down to a level where you're getting the highest level speeds for between 70 and and $100 a month, that's real money in people's pockets immediately, and that's doable. That's what's going on in other municipalities in other parts of the country.
1: So before we take a break and bring in some folks who are going to be talking about the business side of this, I should ask, I mean, one... Um Potential outcome of this budget crisis that we have is that in Governor Malloy's latest budget proposal, the Office of State Broadband actually faces elimination. Am I right about that?
0: Uh, funding for the office uh, is proposed to be cut. The office itself is created by statute.
1: So if you didn't have an office to move this along, that would probably pose uh, an issue. And another thing that faces a cut is the Connecticut Education Network. This is a, this is a network that already connects through very high-speed uh, connections, things like state uh, libraries around the state. High schools, colleges, that would receive a cut, too. I mean, what can you tell us about that and the, and the cut to the funding for the Office of State Broadband? It seems like those things could actually cripple some of your efforts.
0: Well, certainly, uh, that that would make it more difficult. I, CEN, the Connecticut Education Network, is what we call a middle mile network. It's sort of, if you think of it, the state highway for broadband. Um, and so what we're talking about is essentially building the local roads to reach the communities from that state highway, that middle mile, uh, very high speed network. They can do bursts of... 100 gig. Um, and so, yes, I think it's crucial that we maintain that as this incredible resource that we already have and then um, as a building block for, as we say, reaching out into the communities with those local roads, with those local fiber-to-the-home projects. Uh,
1: so the, the way Ellen just put it, uh, Kevin Lembo, if, if indeed this CEN network is a state highway that really has very high speed, Uh, access, and we're looking to build local roads, a nearly $3 million cut in earmarks for the Connecticut Education Network would—it would seem to me, being a layperson— be like not repairing the potholes in the State Highway and having it you know start to break down. Am I right?
2: Right. And shifts the burden down onto the participating municipalities and libraries and others that, that uh, either are already in or were about to or were thinking about coming in uh, to, to the uh, CEN.
1: Trevor so, so I mean how does that proposal damage what you guys are, are looking at? Uh, well I mean I think it is it n- is clearly bad news, uh, but
2: we are so far ahead of many other places because of the Connecticut Education Network uh, that work needs to be done to preserve that. Now, just because it gets a cut in funding doesn't mean that the network disappears. Uh, it just means that it's, it's challenged and it pushes that burden down, but it will
1: continue to operate. We're talking today about the challenge of very high-speed internet across the state. Wouldn't it be great if we could all get easy, affordable, high-speed broadband? People from the business uh, community say, we already have that across the state. We'll be talking to a few of them coming up next. We're in studio with Kevin Lembo, the controller of the State, Ellen Katz, Connecticut's Consumer Council. This is where we live. Oh, oh, This is where we live. I'm John Dankowski. Today we're talking about the Connecticut Gig Project. It's an idea to build out more broadband Internet access across the state. Kevin Lembo and Ellen Katz, the Comptroller, and the Consumer Council are here in studio. Just this update coming from our producer, Tucker Ives. turns out from Tech Insider, they say that Norway is actually number 25 in, in high speed. So they're one behind the U.S. Uh. So get on it, Norway. Uh, now we're <laughs> going to bring in the conversation. Eric Brown, he's Associate Counsel at the Connecticut Business and Industry Association, otherwise known as the CBIA. Eric, good to talk to you. Welcome to where we live. Well, thank you very much, John. Thanks for having me. So you've been critical of the Connecticut Gig Gig Project in part because of a potential cost to taxpayers. Tell us what you're thinking about.
3: Well, I I know I only have a few minutes, so I'll just sort of share with you my perspective. Um, First of all, I have to to chuckle a little bit because we're always the ones criticized for being too negative in Connecticut. And uh, here we're talking about something where Connecticut is in a. Tremendous leadership position, not only nationally, but internationally. Um, I have to say, you know, we keep getting different studies, different statistics sent our way that that are conflicting. But uh, when we look at organizations like the FCC and the White House and others that put us at the very top of, you know, number two maybe in the country in terms of access and speeds like like you've talked about. So, number one, it's a great asset that we ought to be crowing about. Uh, and not looking at it as a deficit. Um, another thing I think we have to, speaking of deficits, look at this in the context of where we are as a state. We've got tremendous fiscal challenges that we're facing. And, uh, you know, I, talk, I was talking to a commissioner the other day who said, you know, the days of doing more with less are over. Uh, we're now in the days of doing less with less. So this in this kind of environment to talk about you know the hundreds of millions of dollars that would that would go into putting government in charge or even as a partner or whatever model you want to call it uh, in a high tech business like uh, broadband it, it is a challenging notion for for us to get our arms around. If you think yeah. about you know what's going on with the Do It program, the computer mess at DMV. Uh, this is not like stringing lines across, uh, you know, phone poles. It's not like laying a road down that's going to be there for 20 years. This is a constantly changing, evolving, high-technology business. And Connecticut is in a tremendous spot in terms of our private sector ability to um, to do this. So, so well, let, uh, let, let, those are some yeah. of the concerns that we have. Let,
1: let, let me ask you a, a couple questions about that. It, obviously, the CBIA represents a lot of different types of businesses a, a, across the state. I would assume that a lot of those businesses would like to be able to get access to, to cheaper uh, broadband Internet access so that they could do more high-tech work. Right now, uh, that can often cost an awful lot of money. Wouldn't it be good for your constituents to have any project, no matter how it's put together, that gets Connecticut even more competitive than it is?
3: Well, let me give you my perspective on that. You're talking really about demand. So I've been at CBIA for over 20 years. I've been doing uh, energy and telecom for about five years. I can honestly tell you, I can't recall a single call from a business complaining about the speed of their internet service or access to internet service. We have uh, probably about a 50-person board of directors, companies large and small all over the state that help set our priorities every year. This has never been a focus of theirs, except to say in recent years, please keep the government out of it. We had a conference in 2015 dedicated to this because it was getting a lot of discussion. Um, 150 people at the conference, we had a breakout on this. Nobody came. Um, We've done member surveys. Uh, This never comes up as a blip. So, uh, you know, where the stories are coming from about businesses complaining and they can't get what they need. Um it's just uh, it's just something that's uh, I, I can just tell you it's outside of my experience and I think our experience as a whole at CBIA.
1: I, uh, Kevin Limbo is is the state of Connecticut going to run this project? I mean, is this going to be a government top down? Explain. Uh, maybe you can explain this to us how how the Connecticut gig project, if it comes to fruition in the way you're looking at it, how exactly it is managed.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, everyone knows that who's involved in any level. That's a municipally driven effort uh, that has some level of coordination at the state level. Um, I, I don't think I've ever said out loud and never would and frankly would not support uh, a statewide build and incurring uh, additional debt to the taxpayers of Connecticut. But I think the flip side of that, that somehow this is a non-issue, that we we have a solution in search of a problem, um, is, is um, uh, probably not accurate based on my conversations with business, which clearly may be different than, than Eric's. But I was at a, uh, a chamber meeting in the northeast part of the state just this week, and uh, a man who runs. A large uh, uh, engineering and design firm there said he lost his very first employee ever, uh, and, and that employee had to move to a place where he had the level of connectivity he needed to be able to do his new job for an engineering firm in in Seattle, uh, where he was going to be working all over the globe. Now, look, that's that's sort of just a, a micro, right? But th- he's not alone. Shelley Best on on Farmington Avenue with an incubator for folks who are trying to start new businesses. Thirty grand to pull fiber across Farmington. Avenue to the 226 on Farmington Avenue. Um, C-Click Fix is on the record. There are little tech startups that frankly don't go to big uh, business lobby institutional kinds of meetings. These are uh, one, two, ten startup sort of companies, and they need access. They come out of academia where they have incredible access, and they get out into the world, and they try to plug in, and they cannot transact business Um, at, at at a speed and volume that makes sense for the work that they're doing.
0: And there are lots of big high-tech companies who are involved in this. The Connecticut Technology Council has embraced the work we've done. In fact, they helped us do a listening tour. Um, they have very recently become much more public in their support of it. Jackson Labs has been very supportive of the work that we're doing. They've come and spoken repeatedly at our conferences about the need for figuring out a way to get higher speeds at lower prices to our to our businesses. And listen, I agree with Eric, absolutely, we are in a leadership position, both with what we have, but we're also in a leadership position in that we're saying, okay, how do we do this, and how do we continue to deliver what our citizens need, and how do we bring down costs? And I, I would do want to note, this is not a conversation that we can just sit back and eventually have. The, the Three states are investing heavily in um, broadband infrastructure. One is California. One is New York, which is investing half a billion dollars at the state level. One is Massachusetts, which the other is Massachusetts, which is investing $40 million. And in fact, Vermont has already invested $40 million. We're not talking about massive state investment, but we are saying we got to get creative given our financial situation and find public Um, public leaders who will find private partners to drive this further into our communities and meet the needs of those high-tech businesses. And
1: and that's what I want to ask you about, Eric, is you know we've been spending maybe too much time on our program talking about the the impact or what it can tell us about General Electric deciding to move to Boston, and we talk about a high-tech hub, and we talk about what the state of Massachusetts is doing to attract companies like that. I guess the question is if our neighboring states like Massachusetts and New York – are making investments like this and saying, yeah, we're already doing good, but this is the future, man. we got to invest big time in trying to make sure that the that the businesses of tomorrow want to locate in our states. Shouldn't we be, like, doing that?
3: Well, I think you ought to have the governor and legislative leaders on and ask them where exactly they look to find a half a billion dollars to, to put into this. I mean, if you go out and you talk to people and you say, sure, if you say, geez, how would you like, you know, a gig service at 70 bucks a month? Well, who's not going to put their hand up for that? But that's not a realistic conversation to have. I mean, we've got a. I mean, I think it's acknowledged here that, you know, I've heard. Well, it's not going to be these people paying or that people paying. What? Well, who's going to pay for this? You know, he's mentioned New York, a half a billion dollars. Where's that coming from in Connecticut? And I, I, I just, just the, the the thing that I just want to understand. Let Let's just
1: say, and I'm just throwing this out there. Let's say I pay a hundred dollars for internet service right now, yep. and I'm able to get my my payment down to. Thirty dollars for better than that service, and I pay some fractional more cost in taxes than on top of that. I'm I'm getting better service. I'm paying somebody different, but the service is better, and it's to more people. Isn't that isn't that math that works?
3: Well, I, you know, I think in the vast majority of the state there already is competition. I think in West Hartford alone, which I know uh, you know Senator By is interested in this, uh, and I'm told there's five maybe six different companies people have to choose from. You know, I guess the question is, you know, is this something that we want government to get involved with? Again, particularly in this kind of business, um, notwithstanding that, you know, we already have tremendous, tremendous situation in the state. I mean, how many people, how many businesses are, are are after a gigabyte of service? And even if they are, they can get it. Do they have to pay for it? Yeah, would it be nice if we could go out and in an interview, you know, go to a community hall and say, how many people would like, you know, a, a new reliable car for, you know, two grand? Well, everybody will put their hand up, but but that, you know, that's not a realistic conversation to have, nor do I think this one is, and it's certainly not one that needs to be a focus of what's going on in Connecticut given where we are we need to we need to have government focus on its core services we need to get our fiscal house in order not search around where we're going to find whether it's 300,000 for a broadband office or a half a billion dollars to invest in the expansion and socialize the cost is this we, you know is this where we're heading what what's the next business we're going to get in and decide you know well we need to socialize this cost across across everybody. Is that really the direction we're heading? There's proposals to do that with a retirement plan. We've seen it with with, uh, health insurance. Um, Where are we going in Connecticut?
1: Eric Brown is associate counsel at the Connecticut Business and Industry Association. Eric, thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. I I want to welcome in Paul Chinelli, who's president and CEO of the New England Cable and Telecommunications Association, who represents this industry. Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me again. Hey, you, you've, uh, you've heard a little bit of what Eric said, and you've, you've listened to our, our other guests on this. From where you sit, what is what is your issue with the Connecticut Gig project that we have right now, and how do you think that your industry could work with the state in a new way?
4: Well, first of all, we've spent over $2 billion in the last six years building out um, a network second to none. Um, currently, we are in the process of deploying what's called Doxis 3.1 which will give gigabit service to all residential areas. Now let's talk about economic development. We provide anywhere from one one to 100 gigabits of service for those type of businesses that are data-driven that need it. It is there. The FCC just came out in uh, late December with their um, latest report, measuring broadband uh, America. Connecticut, second fastest in the United States. The uh, average uh, download speeds are more like 57 to to 60 uh, uh, megabits, not the numbers that you've heard. Uh, This is the FCC. Now, I represent Atlantic Broadband, Charter, Cox, Cablevision, and Comcast, and we have among the fastest speeds around. And on the business side, there is no business that is lacking uh, for service. Now, you've heard other misinformation. Massachusetts has invested this, Vermont has invested this, New York has invested this. Well, I've been directly involved in Massachusetts and Vermont. What they have invested their dollars in is a backbone in unserved areas. Connecticut is very fortunate in the sense that we pass 94 to 95% of the households in Connecticut. And wherever we, we are, they can get broadband speeds. Now, um, Massachusetts has a big swath in Western Mass. They built a backbone with that 40, 50 million. They're not competing with private enterprise. Vermont, the same thing. We work with Vermont on different smaller projects, but they are looking at all these other uh, aspects. They are not overbuilding. They're not looking to compete. Now the, now, the bill for a $20, uh, $20 million bond has been introduced. It's raised bill 331. And that's the worst type of tax, because in a changing environment where communications changes on a weekly basis, your children and grandchildren are going to be left holding the bag. Look at Groton. Sold for $550,000 in 2013 at a loss of $30 million. Taxpayers are responsible still for $27 million. The children and grandchildren so, of those who so made the what, mistake.
1: One question I have. One question I have. Well, if because, if because I our, just
4: finished. Senator Boone, who is the Senate Commerce um, uh, Committee Chair, mm-hmm. he just came out last week and was talking. He's reintroducing his Mobile Now bill uh, for 5G wireless broadband. They are testing 5G to to provide gig service in a wireless manner. Um, we're in a competitive cage match with the wireless providers. This is real.
1: This is not Memorex. uh, uh, And I apologize. I just want to jump in because I I don't want to get too far from original point you you made because Ellen Katz had brought up a a number earlier about how much it costs a company per month to provide this type of gig service. She threw out a number of it could cost up to $3,000 a month. Is that an accurate number And a question I have is if we want businesses who need that sort of service to be competitive in the state, should or could that number be lower? I
4: I cannot address that particular number. You know, whatever company um, uh, offered that or uh, was trying to make a deal, you'd you'd have to bring in the particular. Does
1: that uh, sound ballpark right? No, that's. What's what, what's I mean what so the, just that's on the high side. So so but give me an just so, under, just so I understand just so I understand how much it is. How much would it cost? How much would it cost for a business to have a gig service right now across most of the state that, that's I, available?
4: I, I don't have that number, and it's not something that's right off the shelf. It depends on how far you are from fiber right now, and uh, how much we have to build. How long you're willing uh, to, to commit to a contract? There are a lot of different factors that go into pricing.
1: But, but I so guess if I if what we're really talking, yeah, what
4: right. the particular companies uh, uh, have, you can certainly invite them on, and I'm I'm sure they'll yeah. tell you how they arrive at pricing.
1: Well, I guess, and and I asked your you know your, your colleague at the CBA this earlier because I'm just I'm I'm kind of dumb about this stuff, and I just want to make sure that I'm getting the, the the math right in my head. What what I think I, I'm hearing is is an attempt by some folks at the state level to to put together a municipally-driven plan to work with business to try to provide more service and try to get more high-speed internet access into more people's homes. Some people think that that sounds an awful lot like socializing it and putting it in government's hands. My question is for the consumer, right? If it costs 100 bucks for me right now and I and that's way too much for me to get the sort of service I need or 1000 bucks or whatever it is, how can we work to bring down that cost so that more people – can do more business in the state more high-tech business that we we need that sort of of broadband internet access for whether it's through companies and more competition or whether it's through the government intervening how do we get it so that people pay less money in whatever way possible isn't that isn't that something that we need to to work at Paul this is this, this
4: is not um, uh, what you're trying uh, what you're suggesting is that government, should engineer a competitive future that is, in many respects, already here. No, I, I'm asking,
1: is there a business solution to the problem of people paying too much for the service?
4: Well, you know, first the assumption is they're paying too much. We have a complete menu uh, from uh, the lowest introductory speeds up to the highest speeds. So it's not like one size fits all. Probably, you know, first they tried to say that speed was the issue, but all the government studies have made a lie of that speed is not the issue for the most part availability is not the issue now it's price and somehow they have uh, they they have some economic model that's going to give you free internet I, I mean God bless you but uh, it, it just doesn't exist that way but, but
1: i and I'll just I'll, I'll have Kevin Lemo jump in because I, I don't think I don't think anybody's talking about free internet i don't I don't think that no, that's John, been part John of the it's, it's, ahead, it's competition
2: ahead. competition competition so I don't care where you are there's a monopoly or a duopoly when you have choices, only one or two, around who's going to provide your internet service. What you're hearing is, look, and I agree with a ton of what Eric just said, but all sorts of flags go up for me when I hear an industry rep talk the way um, I'm hearing right now, because it's all about sort of, this is my cheese, don't come near it. Consumers are not happy. Their their trust of their cable and DSL companies is low. The, The price we know is high. Nobody's suggesting a free car or a free this or a free that. What we want is competition on cost and quality. And there's a couple of ways to get there, but one way or another, we need to get there. We're all very fond, again, of the free markets. This is the way you get there by competition. So let's just open it up. Let's just have multiple ISP providers running on the same lines, and let's see who the winner actually are.
0: Let me just give you some examples because I want to push back on this idea that every business already has access to what they want at a reasonable price. We went out, we released a report in January. We brought in engineers to test the speeds at various locations in the state. We focused on Hartford and the northwest corner, not to do a full study, but just to give an example to demonstrate there continue to be problems even here in the capital city. We looked at Scott's Jamaican Bakery, which is a commercial bakery with multiple locations on Windsor Street. And their their Internet level is so low, it's around one or two megabits, that in order to send an email, they have to hang up the phone. And they've been trying for years to get better connectivity from Comcast, from Frontier. They got a quote from Comcast to bring service down the street uh, at a cost of $693,000. That was the first quote. There was a second quote, eventually, of $250,000. I'm sorry, but a quarter million dollars to get you access, not to gigabit speeds, but to cable speeds, that's a problem, and that's a problem for multiple But But,
1: but then are you, businesses. but Ellen, I, I'll just say, are you yeah. trying to then solve the wrong problem? I mean, and let's, because if if indeed we are, as wired as, as Paul Cinelli says we are across the state, and if we do have competitive high speeds in a way that many other states don't, is it fair to say that maybe the real problem we need to solve, government needs to solve, is the problem you just addressed, which is, we we've got to be able to make that last mile connection for some people not for giga, gigabit internet service but just for internet service for competitive internet service to get it to the rest of the 5% of the people who don't have it i mean are, are we kind of barking up the wrong tree by talking about this ultra high speed lane for the whole state, when what we really have a problem with is the issue of getting a little bit of cable a couple miles so that a bakery doesn't have to pay a quarter million dollars to send an email.
0: Well, there's three legs to the stool, as I said. There is reaching the people who don't have adequate speeds today. There are bringing down costs for low-income folks who can't afford basic service. And then there is this problem of bringing high-speed Internet gigabit speeds to the high-tech businesses, which, as I said, Connecticut Technology Council and others have said is a problem. So if we are going to focus on bringing a solution, let's focus on a solution that addresses all three and invest in state-of-the-art technology, which is which is fiber optics, which is um, capable of doing gigabit speeds, Uh, 100 gigs, you just change the technology at the end. It is, as we say, future-proof. And I have heard a lot of discussion about the evolving wireless structure and what's coming down the pike. But wireless goes from tower to tower, and from the tower it goes into fiber and goes to the next spot. So you're not going to skip the need for fiber backhaul or fiber network if you want to bring these high speeds in to meet the needs of our tech businesses.
1: I'm wondering, Paul, before I let you go, this this um, part of the stool that we were just talking about, about making sure that even adequate service gets to some places, including businesses right here, you know, two miles from, from my building, um, in, into places like Hartford. Where does, the, where does the industry stand on that? How can we do a better job statewide of doing that sort of thing?
4: Well, there's a couple of things I want to address. First of all, uh, in terms of the cable telecommunications industry, We've been on the forefront of uh, closing the digital divide. We have, um, we have programs called Internet Essentials, Comcast has that, connect to compete with the other companies. We offer discounted broadband service. We even offer, in some cases, discounted um, uh, uh, PCs. But the other thing is you have to understand, 70% of Americans access the Internet in a wireless fashion, through their phone, through their iPad, other devices and Wi-Fi is the primary way most consumers connect to the Internet and that's why in Connecticut we've built out almost 200,000 Wi-Fi hotspots and we're going to to continue to do this so in many ways the proponents are talking about a stagnant technology that is evolving on a weekly basis and you know with the deficit uh, the next year's deficit pegged at 900 million dollars almost a billion dollars, and we're talking about spending money where, where competition already exists, new technology is around the corner, um, it just doesn't make any sense.
1: Uh, thank you very much, and I, I want to thank our guest uh, who joined us by phone today, Paul Cinelli, who's president and CEO of the New England Cable and Telecommunications Association. Paul, uh, thanks. I uh, hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you,
4: John. I always uh, enjoy being on your program. Uh,
1: When we come back, we're going to be talking uh, to some folks who are working on this in in various cities, including New Haven and also Chattanooga, Tennessee. We'll check back in with how Chattanooga is doing. We'll take some of your calls as well about broadband Internet access in the state. 860-275-7266. This is where we live. This is where we live. I'm John Dankowski. Coming up on tomorrow's show, they say that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. It turns out the Rudd Center for Food Policy and Obesity at UConn is doing the first of its kind study to look at breakfast eating patterns amongst students. It's going to contribute to an ongoing debate over policy efforts to increase daily breakfast consumption in schools. We'll take a look at that and also new legislation aimed at combating the longstanding practice of tip wages. Those are some of the stories we'll talk about on tomorrow's Where We Live. Today in the program, we're talking about high-speed internet in the state of Connecticut. Let's go to Chris in Chaplin. Hi, Chris. Go ahead. Uh, Yeah. um,
2: I just wanted to bring up that um, broadband service is basically a cash cow for the existing broadband providers. So they've made big investments in infrastructure, but now they're basically, for what they're charging, they're pulling in more than 90% profit. So Time Warner, for instance has a ninety seven percent profit margin. I mean that really is what's what's
1: happening. I, I so mean but very, well yeah. and, and Chris I, I take your point certainly but just just to be fair, what they'll say to you is they did build out this infrastructure that we're sitting on right now. I mean they spent the money to do it.
2: Right. But in other parts of the world people are paying a lot less for a lot more bandwidth than they are here. So it's it's an artificially inflated uh, price based
5: on there being a monopoly. So I think a lot of the resistance is to uh, basically having this public initiative erode their profits.
1: Chris, thank you very much for the phone call. I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, uh, Zach is in New Haven. Hi, Zach. Hello. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. What's up? I'm a software engineer. Internet
2: is my my lifeline. I work, uh, I'm employed by a New Haven tech startup that uh, has nearly 40 employees. Um, Couldn't be more supportive of this plan. When I hear the details of this plan, I don't see uh, government entering private enterprise I see, you know, uh, government taking leadership in a market that uh, that needs it. And, and that's been basically
5: Comcast-type monopoly markets.
1: Well, Zach, and I'm going to let you go just because I thank you very much for your phone call because I want to get to someone who's calling from New Haven here. Uh, Daryl Jones is the New Haven City Controller who's been active in, in issues like this. And, Daryl, thanks for joining us on the program. I appreciate it.
5: Sure, no problem. Um, the City Controller and also the acting CIO for the Technology Group in New Haven, and um, a year and a half, uh, almost a year and a half ago when we started this initiative, uh, we brought I think we, what we've done is we've changed the paradigm. We've changed um, how we look at internet and we brought awareness to our, our consumers and we see a great opportunity. And we see a great, op- great opportunity where um, we can provide savings to our residents, we can provide faster speeds. You know, and and one of the things I want to point out, I heard some of the conversations before, is that um, we need Internet access, not just Wi-Fi, because you you cannot apply for a job on a cell phone. Um, You cannot give the advantage to a student um, reading or studying using a phone. They need Internet access in their home so that they can actually learn and get ahead close the digital divide and that's something under mayor harps leadership she wants to do that she wants to give the competing edge to everybody um and the other thing other thing we pointed out we recognize um by having this discussion we've actually looked at in a way where hey we can generate a revenue both on the city side which will help our residents and in our constituents in many ways that we've never seen before. Um, just one last one other point is that looking at our own um, infrastructure, the city alone spends anywhere between thirty-five and $40,000 a month to have that type of Internet access and telecommunication access because we need to because we have to provide public safety and all that stuff. And that's essential to the city. But if we own our own network or if we have this partnership, all that goes away. Well,
1: let me bring in somebody, uh, Ken Hayes, who we've spoken with before, uh, president and CEO of the Enterprise Center in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Here's a city that got wired some time ago. And, uh, Ken, maybe you can quickly just tell us what's happening in Chattanooga and how it could be a template for some of what we're seeing here in Connecticut.
6: No, absolutely. I mean, I think as 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 folks know, hopefully your listeners do. Chattanooga was really the first mover in deployment of fiber from a municipality area to to cover the entire, you know, service area that our electric utility covers. We have it's we we we've deployed fiber to 600 square miles. Over 170,000 you know businesses, homes, customers have access now to actually 10 gigabit. I mean 10. 10 gigabit symmetrical service. We are without a doubt the fastest you know, uh, wired, connected city in the world right now. And we went through a lot of the issues that you went through seven or eight years ago um, with where the incumbents are sitting there saying, well, we, we do this, we do that. The truth of the matter, it's not an apples to oranges comparison. Wireless, as your previous caller said, is not the answer. I mean, at the end of the day, this all has to be backhauled. And what we're learning is that, the, that there's more and more and more needs for uh, for for this infrastructure. Uh, back, you know, when uh, Mayor Corker, who is now our U.S. Senator, went to the incumbents and actually was, as, as the EPB was looking to deploy fiber and said, will you all do this? And we got a categorically, no, you don't need it, you know, we can make do with what we've got. That's just not true. And so what we've done, and it's been a huge economic impact, is I think we've shown the country and the world that the future is communities like Chattanooga and hopefully communities like Connecticut that are we will deploy this and that, you know, if, if the incumbents want to go do it, great. But if they don't, then the municipalities and states and other other ways ought to be looking at ways to go do that.
1: OK, so, uh, Ken, I just got a couple minutes with you here, but if you can give us the thumbnail blueprint for how to make that happen i mean how do you have the conversation with businesses that say we got good enough internet access right now we don't need government playing in the sandbox uh give us a blueprint please because clearly we need to figure out how to talk about this at least well, in connecticut i
6: mean it, i mean it, you know, every every community is different in our case it was our electric utility that deployed it and you know we're, we have a municipal owned electric utility the, and they did it actually to make our smart grid the one of the smartest in the countries. Um, but you have other communities, you know, that have taken different approaches to it. I think Santa Monica, where, as I understand it, where where a lot of what's going on in Connecticut, said you you do in incremental sort of you know moves on that but 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 but, I think is is that part of the problem is you that you've got to overcome is you've got to develop champions that will sit there and say that for the competitive viability of our communities and our regions we've got to go do it and so I think that as I understand the efforts in Connecticut, that's exactly what's happening It's a long haul um, and in our case, we had to go through multiple multiple lawsuits you know for EPB ultimately to do it um, we've actually got a case now that the the federal you know the FCC ruled that we that EPB could go outside its service area. We've got schools and, you know, folks that are still on dial-up a quarter of a mile to a mile outside the service area, but these incumbents are sitting there saying to the legislature, "No, you know, EPB shouldn't be allowed to go do it." So we've got you know, the FCC's ruled. There's bills in the legislature. It's always a continual battle. But I think the key thing is is that is that the organizations that have developed in Connecticut need to just sort of turn it up and go full steam ahead because we, you know, this country used to be number one in the in the world for internet capabilities. We're now, depending on what studies, 18 to 28. And, you know, it, you know, having listened to whoever was from the New England technology cable stuff, it's the same arguments they use all over. They're just not true.
1: Uh, Ken Hayes, president and CEO of the Enterprise Center in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Thank you so much for joining us, sir. I appreciate it. Okay. Th- thank you also to Daryl Jones, New Haven City Controller. We just have a, a minute left, Kevin Limbo. Okay, so where are we now in this conversation? We've heard an awful lot of voices saying an awful lot of things. And Ken's been doing this for a while, too, right? These are the same voices on all sides. We don't have money as a state to be making big investments in this. That is absolutely true. No one's going to stomach more taxes to try to do something like this. At the end of the day, we do need more people connected, and we need to have lower prices. So what do we do next, Kevin? I think we just continue this conversation. It's moving
2: in a positive direction. If anyone thought five years ago that without this conversation, Mayor Tony Harp in New Haven would have a plan to do it herself – for New Haven, and also a plan from Frontier that not only finishes out the build to New Haven, but also lets other internet service providers compete on their fiber. If anybody thinks that would have happened without this conversation, they're kidding themselves. But, but, but
1: that's but that's very important. Again, this conversation starts. The city of New Haven works then with the uh, provider there. I mean, this seems like the type of matrix that you're talking about, Ellen. Right.
0: Absolutely. And in fact, in two weeks, we will be releasing a, a white paper from the Broadband Office that will lay out different models for municipalities, different frameworks for creating public-private partnerships. It will take a look at the frontier model, which is very creative and innovative. The first thing we've – first t- of that's type in the country from an incumbent provider. So that's progress. There will be other models where – and then – so that will – that's a toolbox for municipalities. We will have answers for. So, now what next? And then we're having a conference. At the legislative office building on March twenty third, four municipalities and officials. More conversation, more answers.
1: Ellen Katz is Connecticut's Consumer Council. Thank you so much for being here. Kevin Lumbo is the controller of the state of Connecticut. Thank you very much, sir, as Thanks, well. Jeff. You can continue this conversation. Uh, just get on your modem and dial us up Where We Live at WNPR.org if you want to send us an email. I'm John Dankowski and this is Where We Live.